0: Ahoy and welcome to the Jolly Reader. I'm your host, Captain Book. So before we get into the final part of Good Girl, Bad Blood by Holly Jackson, I really just want to talk about like this is not a supplement for reading the books. Like there is so much that I cannot go over or I can't explain. And I really encourage you to read this series yourself because it's really good. So that being said, today we're covering chapters 26 through 43. That's the end of the book. Pages 261 through 397 okay go back listen to the first two episodes la da let's recap jamie's still missing obvi or there wouldn't be a book we'd be done by now they found the missing knife it was at the place where becca was or becca disposed of andy's body and somehow a catfish <laughs> named layla is involved but we're still figuring that out And I also just want to say catfish so I could use a silly sound effect. So, if you're listening on the podcast, you will definitely get to hear that. So, things to look forward to a plot freaking twist, a dead serial killer. It's not what you think. And the gun, the gun, the gun, the gun. So, let's get started. Chapter 26. (sighs) I have to remember, like, what happened because so much happens at the end that I don't remember, like, where exactly we're leaving off. So, Connor, Pip, Robbie and Kara all meet for, oh, for the stakeout. I forgot they're going to go to the abandoned farmhouse that night to see if Jamie, whatever. You guys know. You probably just listened to the last episode. So, oh my gosh. Okay. So Kara's in the car while the other three are outside talking. And Connor's really upset because the comments on the podcast are accusing his dad of being a murderer. And Connor's just like frustrated. He's yelling, my dad's not a killer. And Kara walks up like just as he's saying this and she's like super awkward, but brilliantly says like, oh, I can't relate to that because obviously her dad is a murderer, which is insane. So anyways, moving on to the abandoned Farmhouse. They get there. They can tell someone's inside because they see like a flashlight lighting up the windows. Long story short, they see Robin. Okay, so this is a kid from their school who in the last book, Pip saw buying drugs from Howie. So that's how she blackmailed Howie into giving her information because she's like, I'll tell the police you're selling to kids in my school or whatever. So Robin's in there with another unnamed boy and girl and they're all smoking. And then Pip asks if they were there the previous Friday night. And if they were, did they see Jamie there? Because that's like where the Fitbit led to say where Jamie was. So Robin says they didn't know anything about Jamie and that, Like Pip and her friends really need to leave because someone's turning up soon. And Robin won't say who's showing up, but he says, like, this person probably hates you because like he's saying this to Pip, because you basically put Howie in jail. So Robin says the guy's mad because someone skipped out on him nine hundred dollars and he said something about never being able to get it back or something. So Pip notices a large duffel bag that Robin has and it has drugs in it. I don't remember if she sees the drugs or she just like says, I'm pretty sure there's drugs in that bag or whatever. But Robin reluctantly explains that he picks up the drugs from some guys in the city and brings them here to Fairview. So basically he was a drug mule for, and he gets like free weed in return. So... Robin's really mean and like not about this conversation, but he's like, he hears a car pull up and he's like, "You guys need to go like now. I'm not trying to mess with this guy that I'm bringing these drugs to." So Pip tries to see who's pulling up, but they can't because the lights are too bright and the car speeds off because they see Pip and other people that shouldn't be there. Then the Pip and company run to Pip's car and they try to chase down like whoever this person was, and. They're trying to like at least see a license plate or something and they take this sharp turn and the car completely spins around and they almost get in an accident and Pip's like thinking how Max and Cara's sister were in that accident and that was like the whole thing in the last book and she's like, I promise I wouldn't get like this this time, but here we are. No one's hurt in this accident. It's just like relating back to what happened in the last book. Big? who cares? Anyways, the information they got was the license plate started with either an N or an H, real helpful and it was a white sports car, and then Ravi says, oh, it was a BMW, and Pip says she knows that Nat De Silva's boyfriend drives one of those. Thursday, Six Days Missing, Chapter 27. So Pip's at breakfast with her mom, and her mom's all worried about her. She's like, why are you so tired? Blah, 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 blah. And Pip starts to walk off, and her mom like frantically was like, get back in here. Oh my gosh. And Pip's like, let was just going in the bathroom. So anyways, there's a report on the radio. Re page 274. Let's see what we got. I got my little post-it notes here. 274. Okay, so this is like the radio. This is what they're saying. A dog walker discovered the body ab- at about 6 a.m. yesterday morning in the trees beside I-95 between Fairview and Stanford. Officers are still at the scene. The deceased is yet to be identified... But has been described as a white male in his early 20s. The cause of death is currently unknown. A spokesperson for Fairview Police Department has said dot dot dot. Whatever. They don't like finish listening to it. So they're like obviously worried that this body is Jamie. Jamie. So the mom tells Pip, she's like, just go, just go. I'll call the school and tell them you'll be late. So Pip goes over to Connor's house because they live like down the street from each other or whatever. And the mom, Joanna and Connor are freaking out. And the dad's on the phone with the police station. It's like a really uh, stressful part in the book. Like this is what I was talking about. Like you just need to read it for yourself. It's really hard to explain. But long story short, the, he, he's like on hold, goes back and forth, whatever. The police tell him tell Connor's dad it's someone else the family's just identified this body it's not Jamie also like we never find out who it is like I'm kind of curious in the small town what bodies are just kind of ending up places but anyways but this was just like a wake-up call that it could have been Jamie so they're like taking things more seriously a good girl's guide to murder season two interview with Arthur Reynolds so this is Connor and Jamie's dad so he says he didn't want to be interviewed before because he was he convinced himself that Jamie had just ran away and it was easier just to be mad at Jamie than face the facts that like something bad could have happened to him. So like I said, he said he was out looking for Jamie those days that Pip and the mom and Connor were working on the computer when they were like, oh, we don't know where he is. He was out looking for him. So anyways, he says on Friday, they were arguing about money. So Jamie had asked to borrow... $900? Does that number ring a bell to anyone? And the dad obviously is like, "Uh, no. <laughs> I would never. I couldn't imagine asking my parents for $900. That seems insane." So anyways, then they talk about the timeline like Pip and the dad. And the dad says he got home before 11:30 and the house was empty and he doesn't think Jamie snuck in and out of the house because he was in the living room for a while and would have heard the front door. But, like, also, Jamie sneaks out of his bedroom, so I don't know what that has to do with anything, but here we go. I still don't really figure out this part. I don't feel like this is ever really clarified. But anyways, he had no idea that the knife was missing, and the dad feels really bad that the last words to his son were in anger, and, like, he loves his son, and he wishes that he could prevent this. Obviously. Typical parent. Chapter 28. So, Pip decides to go to Nat's house to talk to her because... Pip's mom already called her in late to school, so she's got some downtime, apparently. So, Nat answers the door, and she's not amused, obviously. She, like, hates Pip. So, (laughs) Pip tells Nat she really thinks that Jamie's in trouble, and Nat's like, okay, fine, I will talk to you, but only because, like, Jamie's my friend, whatever. So, Nat says that... Jamie never mentioned Layla Mead to her. And she also said that she didn't see him after the memorial. So Pip brings up the eyewitnesses that say otherwise. So this is like the people that work at the bookseller. And Nat gets mad. Or no, that wouldn't be the bookseller people. That would be the kid that used to date Lauren or whatever when he was like, I saw him walk into that house with the blue door or whatever. So anyways, Nat gets mad about this and she's like, you're wrong. This kids lying about seeing jamie he never came to my house so one last thing pip basically bulldozes nat and tells her that she thinks luke is involved with drugs and he picks up drugs where jamie was last seen or where they think the fitbit puts him or whatever and jamie was looking for money and like this drug dealer being luke was out of the same amount of money that jamie asked his dad for Like, we have no proof that Luke is actually a drug dealer, but Pip just decides this because she thinks it was his car. I don't know. Whatever. Nat's, uh, like, furious about this. And she asks, she's like, what's wrong with you? And reminds Pip that she's messing with other people's lives and you can't just, like, do that for your own entertainment or for your own podcast. Hence why I don't talk about real people. So (laughs) Nat says she has nothing new to say about Jamie or Luke and basically like slams the door in Pip's face. So walking back to school, Pip feels like someone's watching her, but she doesn't see anything, whatever. So later she sees Mary from the Fairview mail or whatever walking her dog, and she says, hello. I don't know why that's relevant, but I was, like, kind of thinking, like, ooh, is Mary super sus or what? She's not. So, then Ravi calls her, and Pip's going on and on about, like, her theories after talking to Nat, and Ravi's like, shut up and listen to me. Max was not found guilty on all charges. He's going free. He's a monster, and the court system failed them. So, Pip's obviously, like, super-duper upset because she has evidence of Max telling her he did all this. Like, there's that phone call between them, last book, whatever. So she's like, oh my gosh, I have to go tell Nat. She can't be alone for this. Honestly, I don't really understand this part, but it's just so like Nat and Pip have like a better relationship moving forward. So Pip runs to Nat's house and she's like, what the heck do you want? And then she like sees Pip's face and she's like, oh my gosh, like he was found not guilty, wasn't he, or whatever. And Natchez like, loses it. And it's, like, crying on Pip's, like, shoulder. And all Pip can say is, like, I'm sorry. Like, that does anything. Anyways, chapter 29. So back at school, Mr. Clark is unnecessarily... I don't know why I said it like that. Rude, asking if Pip thinks her time is more valuable than his because she's late. But I'm like, didn't her mom call in? Like, she didn't say specifically how late she would be. He's just rude and mad because... He got caught talking to someone who was potentially underage. Anyways. So she starts calling. Oh, my gosh. Oh, they're at lunch. Skip that. Whatever. They're Now they're at lunch. Pick who cares. Pip needs to get her anger out on someone. So she starts calling out Aunt and Lauren for not being at the search party, which that's like super rude, dude. Like Aunt's supposed to be Connor's friend and stuff. But the whole thing's pretty stupid. Whatever. And Pip's like berating them reasonably so. And then she sees like Tom, which is who gave the eyewitness report that Jamie went into Nat's house, whatever. And she walks up to him in the lunchroom. She calls him a liar, just like screaming at him. And is like, Oh, you just want internet fame or whatever. Like what's wrong with you? Someone's missing and you're just wasting my time or whatever. And he's like, I didn't. And then she cuts him off and she's basically like going to blast him all over her podcast for lying because he already signed the like release form or whatever. And then Pip takes a bottle of Coke, like, coca-cola and dumps it all over his head and then walks out dang do you ever like want to do that just like throw a glass of water at someone or something like i've never done that but like in all movies it's like psh, splash yeah anyways <laughs> Kara's waiting for pip like I guess outside the cafeteria in the hallway and people are staring clearly. Cause she just had like a breakdown and Pip's like, well, not everyone could have seen what happened in the, the cafeteria. And Cara's like, uh, no, you need to, um, read this wire. I forget what it's called. Wire rip article. It's just like a news article or whatever. So the news article is titled, Season 2 of A Good Girl's Guide to Murder Podcast May Not Be All It Seems. The article basically suspects that the police are not looking for Jamie because he's not really missing. And he went missing on his own because Pip said she would pay Jamie and Connor to make the new season more thrilling. And she'd like pay him, pay them based on like what she made off the podcast. And the article just kind of like ends asking, is he really missing? Or if they're all just being duped by the teen queen of true crime. Jamie's clearly already missing, but this is just adding fuel to Pip's fire. Chapter 30. So... Pip opens her locker and finds a note that says this is your final warning Pippa walk away which is like the same note that Mr. Ward wrote her in the last book but like obviously just someone being like a jerk copycat whatever. She crumples it up throws it on the floor. Then Aunt walks up to her and he's like this whole Jamie thing is pretty convenient like him being missing and you needing another season of your podcast and he basically believes that they made it up and wishes that she would just like let him in on it. She's like, I'm not judging you. Just like, tell me you made it up. And Lauren like obviously agrees. Cause gr- like girls can be stupid when they have boyfriends and they just agree with them. Don't do that thing for yourself. Anyways, that goes for boys too. So as this is going on, Miss Morgan, sh- she was like Pip's capstone project teacher. I think she's like the principal now. She's like walking down the hall and she's like, Hey Pip, I want to talk to you. And, Pip's still talking to Aunt, Aunt's still saying things to provoke her, and then she like pins him against a locker, like has her arm across his neck, and he's like screaming in his face, which like I kind of don't blame her. Chapter 31. Pip's suspended for three days. They say for the fight with Aunt, but like she also assaulted a kid in the lunchroom. But anyways, her mom's real mad, which obviously. That's like the mom thing to do. So Pip basically has an existential crisis for the next few chapters. So like, here we are. Let's buckle up for it. We got to get through this so we can get to the fun part. So I'm not like, I don't want to like talk bad about it, but like she literally has a breakdown for three chapters. It's super annoying. Cause like, I'm like, I just want to figure out what's going on. Get back to work, Pip. So Ravi comes over. And she basically like pushes him away. And he's like, fine, call me when you're done being mad. And then he's like, I love you. And he walks out, which is like the first time he tells her he loves her, whatever. But he's obviously mad. I don't, it's awkward and weird. Don't do that. Just, just, I don't even know what to say about it. It's just really weird. And I'm like, I kind of thought they'd break up by now, just like plot wise. Maybe next book. Anyways, chapter 32. So Max, as seen on Facebook, had posted a picture with his lawyer and his parents and they're out to dinner or something celebrating the verdict of him being not guilty so pip knows that they're not home so she sneaks out of her house Oh no i don't think she sneaks out Maybe she just leaves her house. Whatever. She has clear her head. It's pouring down rain. She's soaked. She's walking around having a pity party. She sees Charlie. That's her neighbor taking out the trash. And he's like, do you want to come in? Like you're in the pouring down rain. She's like, no. And he's like, well, do you want to at least sit on my porch? Because then you won't get rained on. And she's like, fine. So then she's like talking to him and she tells him like, it's not fair that Max is the one that like did all these things and got off without any consequences. And what's the point in being good or bad or otherwise if the justice system's not going to work out for you? And Charlie says like Max only wins if you let him and that she shouldn't care about what other people think or whatever. And she realizes that Charlie's right. And basically she was telling herself that last time being like when she was looking up the Andy Bell stuff, that wasn't her and it wouldn't happen again, but really that was her. And now she's going to embrace it. Apparently And Charlie tells Pip not to give up because of Max. Because someone else's life might depend on it. Or, like, depend on her. And Pip's like, you're right. I gotta go do something. Chapter 33. So, Pip uploads the recording of Max basically admitting to raping Becca. Like, he says she didn't say no. But he still, like, basically admits it or whatever. But I'm not really sure, like, why she wasn't allowed to upload that. I don't know if it's, like because she obtained it illegally because she didn't ask if she could record it. I really don't know. But, like, she's not supposed to upload it and she's supposedly going to get in trouble with, for it. But, like, she never does. I don't know. So, anyways, Pip goes to Max's house because she knows they're all out partying. She paints his front door and it says, Rapist, I will get you. And then she breaks, like, the six windows that are in the front of the house on either side of the door. Bro, she is, like, assaulting people. She is, like, breaking property. Like, I know he's trashed, but, like, I don't know. That's a little much. Like going off the rails a little bit. So then she, well, I guess she walks to Robbie's house and she texts him. She's like, "Can you come outside?" And he does. And they make up. And she loves him too. And then the chapter ends with her being like, "I have to tell you something. I just did. A.K.A. like mess up Max's house." Friday, seven days missing. Chapter thirty-four. So Pip still suspended but she gets a text from Nat that says, hi, it's Nat. I need to show you something. It's about Jamie and Layla. So Pip goes over there to her house and Nat informs her that her brother, so that would be, what I forget his name. What is his name? Daniel, her brother Daniel, there we go, said that someone vandalized the Hastings house. And she's basically like, wink, wink, I know it was you and I'm all for it. I would have done it myself if it wasn't you. So anyways, she also saw that Pip uploaded the confession from Max. And then she goes on to say that she thinks that Pip and Nat are a lot alike. Like, you're a lot like me because whatever. She, like, goes on to explain, like, they both were upset about things and taking it out on the wrong people. So she was, like, saying that she took it out on Pip when she shouldn't and she didn't like the podcast because it made her feel bad for Andy. Blah, blah, blah. So then Nat says that Pip was right about Luke about like the drugs and stuff. And she says that Luke's about to be her ex-boyfriend. He just doesn't know it yet. Because she hasn't talked to him. And I'm assuming they break up. They don't really like specifically say that later on. But like it's not like a bad breakup. He doesn't like attack her or anything. So anyways. Nat tells Pip that Luke was not home alone all night Saturday night. Like she previously told Pip. And after Jv never showed. After the memorial Uh, service. Nat went to Luke's house, but he wasn't there and his car was gone. And that was around midnight. So apparently last night from her talking to Pip now, she went through Luke's phone and Luke had also been talking to Layla and he apparently had met her in person. So Luke knows who it is. Pip reads the messages, pages 321 and 322. So let's see what they talked about. Because it's kind of hard to explain. Which one's Layla? Layla's on the left. Okay, so Layla's like, I've been thinking about you. And he's like, yeah, I've been thinking about you too. And she's like, nothing good, I hope. Smiley face. And he's like, you know me. And she's like, I'd like to. I don't want to wait anymore. Want to meet tonight? And he's like, all right, where? And she's like, the parking lot in Lodge Park. A parking lot, really? He does say that. He says, a parking lot, question mark. So then she's like, I won't be wearing much. And he's like, oh, okay, parking lot, here yeah. win. And... <laughs> she's like come now and then like 10 minutes later she's like are you coming and he's like almost there and then like 30 minutes later or 40 minutes later he's like what the f i'm going to kill you mm-hmm. so yeah Leila wants to meet in the parking lot this lodge park or whatever and pip notes that that's fell into their zone that jamie's fitbit was in After the, like, WTF, I'm going to kill you, there's no more messages between the two of them after that. So, dun-dun-dun! Chapter 35. So, Pip and Ravi are going to go talk to Luke. Luke answers the door, and Pip's like, I want to ask you some questions about Jamie. And Luke's like, um shame. I don't really like answering questions. And he slams the door in her face. So then Pip's like shouting through the mail slot in the door, which I didn't even know those still existed. But she's like, I know Jamie owed you money when he was missing. I'll give you the $900 he owes you if you talk to us. And Luke's like, oh, okay. (laughs) Like for real. And he's like, you just have to pay me in full cash. By the end of the week, which we never get back to. Like, I don't know if Pip ever paid that, but I'm assuming she did because nothing comes of it. So anyways, Pip asked why Jamie owes him $900 and Luke's like, it's not drugs. <laughs> like Luke does sell drugs, but that's not what Jamie was doing. So Nat had mentioned to Jamie at some point that Luke will sometimes help people out with high interest rate loans or whatever and Luke doesn't ask about other people's business so he didn't know why Jamie needed the money but Pip thinks that maybe Jamie was trying to get the money from his dad and then try to steal from the realtor's office to pay back Luke and Luke's like no he borrowed the money on Friday three weeks ago so this would have been after Jamie talked to his dad and all that so then Pip says you met Layla last Friday night around midnight didn't you and Luke's like Layla Mead is Jamie Are we freaking out yet? Chapter 36. My first note says, what? With a bunch of question marks. So Luke said he was messaging Layla and she wanted to meet at Lodge Park parking lot. And then when he got there, Jamie was there waiting for him. This also coincides with Jamie's heart rate spiking, being like nervous to meet Luke there, whatever, whatever. So Luke assumed that Jamie did this to try to get Luke away from Nat. Like, be like, hey, look, your boyfriend's a cheater. Break out by them. But they ask Luke what happened, like, after we met Jamie in the parking lot. And he's like, not much. It was really weird. Like, Jamie was waiting in the trees when Luke got out of the car. And Jamie was acting really weird, really scared. He only said two words. And then Luke, like, can't remember exactly what he said. It was, like, something like child broomstick or child brown sick. Like, he can't remember. That comes back. That's, like, the main blows this whole thing open so anyways jamie was waiting to see what luke's reaction was when he said these two words and luke was like wtf which he says the real thing obviously so then jamie just like took off running and luke chased him but lost him in the trees and then luke went home so pip knows that jamie went to the farmhouse after that just based on the watch but luke didn't get that far like He didn't know why Jamie would be going there. He just, like, went home, obviously. So Luke says that's all he knows. So, like, they need to leave and they have a week to pay him. As they're walking out the door, Pip asks how old Luke is. And Luke says he's 29, about to turn 30 in a couple months. After they leave, Robbie asks how she's going to get the money. And she's like, well, I'm going to have to accept the sponsors for my podcast. And I'm like, whatever sponsor is paying her $900, can they, like, hit me up? Because I will, like, shout your sponsor Ship to the roof. Goodness. So, anyways, Pip also says that Jamie can't be Layla because she read the messages between Jamie and Layla. And he was like really convinced that this was like someone they were talking to, you know? So, also, Jamie was surprised when he saw Stella at the party. So, Pip thinks that Layla sent Jamie to meet Luke. Maybe that's what they were talking about on the phone outside the Calamity party. My notes say clam bake party, which sounds much more fun than a calamity party, except for I'm allergic to shellfish. Anyways, also maybe Jamie had a knife with him because he was afraid of Luke. The child broomstick thing, they don't know what that means, but someone also heard Jamie say something about a child on the phone, so they think Luke's telling the truth about this whole encounter. And then Pip concludes what I've been saying, like, Layla's looking for someone who's twenty-nine or recently thirty. All the men are white with brownish hair, living in the same town. She's looking for someone, she just doesn't know who. That was like pretty much my lingering theory last time. So as they're walking and talking, they see Max Hastings outside of Starbucks laughing. He smiles and he waves at them because he's a prick, whatever. And Robbie starts screaming at him. He's like, Don't look at her! Don't you dare look at her! And Pip just like takes his hand. She's like, "Let's just get out of here." You know, Max can't win. So they're back at Pip's house thinking about all the information. Basically like, Luke they conclude that Luke was telling the truth about like his version of what happened. So anyways, They're still trying to figure out the child broomstick situation and Ravi tells Pip to Google it. And so she Googles it and of course, like children's Halloween costumes come up and then she tries child brown sick and they get like vomiting kids health page. But then the Google search asks her, did you mean child Brunswick? And Ravi's like, what is that? And he doesn't know what that is nor do I. And Pip explains it. It's a true crime case And like super trigger warning, like I felt really triggered by this. So just like a heads up. So it happened 20 years ago, Scott Brunswick was a serial killer and he killed young children and made his son help him lure the victims. And she tells Ravi to look at this article and read about it so he can understand it more. So they give us like the article, which I summarize here. Scott Brunswick, the monster of Rochester. So the article says between 2000 and 2001 in Rochester, New York, six children disappeared, ages eight to eleven. Their burnt remains later discovered within one mile of each other, and the cause of death was blunt force trauma. Let's just speed through this; it's horrendous. So then they narrowed, like whatever, the police narrowed it down to Scott Brunswick, and they they explained it more. But anyways, they found that he kept trophies of each of the children, one of their socks. I'm like grossed out reading this, but anyways. There wasn't a lot of forensic evidence tying him to the murder. Brunswick's son, who was 10 years old at the time, was used to help commit the crimes. And the son was to lure the children away from playgrounds. And then the dad would take them into the van. The son also helped dispose of the bodies. They called this child or this, this, this kid, the son, child Brunswick throughout the trial probably to, like, protect his identity, whatever. The dad, Scott, was found guilty, and then seven weeks into his sentence, he was beaten to death by another inmate. So high five to that inmate. And then Child Brunswick was charged to serve five years in juvenile detention center, and then at 18, he would be paroled and released on a lifetime probation, and he was also given a new name under, like, a version of witness protection program, and he got a new identity because... Of the risk of a vigilante type retaliation against the individual if his real identity became known because of the role he played in his dad's crimes or whatever. So, are we doing the math, everybody? So, if Child Brunswick was 10, he would be 29 to 30 years old now. Which I don't know how well this is gonna age in the book because, like, I'm assuming this is present day, but, like, what happens in 20 years? You're like, okay, so this guy's like 50. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if they say the year, what year it is in the book. But anyways, just something to think about. Chapter 37. Pip tells Connor about the Child Brunswick situation. And Pip thinks it involves Jamie because Layla said to him to meet up with Luke and say Child Brunswick. So, like, obviously, this is all connected somehow. We just don't know how yet. So when Luke doesn't react, when Jamie says it, that rules Luke out. And then Jamie went to go meet someone else at the farmhouse. So we also know Child Brunswick can't be Adam Clark, the teacher, or Daniel De Silva because this Child Brunswick would not have been able to become a police officer or a teacher. They think if they can find Child Brunswick, then they can find Jamie. So they turn to the internet, of course. So... For some reason, Layla thinks that Child Brunswick is in the town Fairview where they live. So they're like looking up to see why Layla would believe that. So someone... There's like posts that are like not so nice. This is like kind of random, but just like a side note. Because I have a lot of mixed feelings about this. But like someone says Child Brunswick was just a small child when he... When the murders happened and his dad forced him to help. And then like the other comments are like... He's just as bad. It's in the blood. He should be locked up or whatever. Like, I Ten's, like, kind of old for that. But at the same time, like, wouldn't you just, like, do whatever your murderer dad told you to do out of fear? Like, I don't know. Like I said, I have a lot of feelings. So then we will get there. Um, Pip finds, like, an article or I don't know if it's just, like, a post or whatever that talks about Fairview. But there's a typo. It's, like, they misspell Fairview. They spell view instead of I E they spell ei or whatever so that's why it didn't immediately come up in the google searches so this says repage 340 and 341 so let's do it okay so this is like a post it's just like anonymous people so there's like a post that says i know where child brunswick is he's in fairview connecticut you know that town it's been on the news a lot recently where the girls solved the old andy bell case and then this person we're assuming is layla is like where did you hear this And then this person's like, my friend's cousin is in prison at the Osborne Correctional Institute. Apparently his new cellmate is from that town and says he knows exactly who Child Brunswick is. Said they used to be friends and that Child Brunswick told him his secret a couple years ago. And then Anonymous is like, really? Question mark smiley face. So like, we know it's Layla. So anyways, Pip knows someone that's in that specific prison who pled guilty to a drug deal, aka Howie. So Howie somehow connected and knows who child Brunswick is. So Pip starts thinking back to last year or last book for us. And she starts swiping through her photos back, back, back to the picture that she used to blackmail Howie, selling drugs to Robin, which I talked about earlier. So there's another photo. And if we all remember, someone was handing Howie money and said, this is the last time you can't keep asking for more. That person was Stanley Forbes, the trash can reporter. That's who Child book is. And Howie was blackmailing him to stay quiet. So I'm just going to give us a, a second to just breathe all this in. Because we just got a lot of information. And it basically just like revealed the whole story in a chapter. Chapter 38. So... Pip and Robbie are going through the information, trying to confirm that it is Stanley. They find an article that states his age. Pip also brings up that sometimes Stanley doesn't recognize his own name. His colleagues say, oh, it's just selective hearing. But Pip's like, probably because it's a new name. Like, this is not his normal name or whatever. So basically, Stanley was who Jamie met at the farmhouse because Layla had narrowed down to Stanley and Luke. So Stanley must have known what happened to Jamie. So they don't know quite why Jamie's involved in all this. That gets explained, though. But it's, the important thing is to find Stanley and Jamie. Like, that's the whole point, to find Jamie. So Pip's going to use a different SIM card in her phone and pretend to be Layla and ask Stanley to meet at the farmhouse. Not tell the police, because why would we do that? And then Stanley's... <laughs> while Stanley's gone, Connor and Robbie are going to search through Stanley's house for exclusive Jamie. And then Pip says she's just going to be lookout at the farmhouse when stanley's heading back so like robbie kind of pulls pip aside and she's like why are you going to be lookout instead of looking through his house so pip says like connor needs to be there for his brother like trying to find evidence of him and robbie needs a second chance so like i didn't really cover his yet again just read the books but robbie feels like this kind of like a second chance redemption because he couldn't save his own brother whatever so She's fine with being looked out. So Pip sends a text and she's like, it's Layla. Meet me at the farmhouse at 11, smiley face. And Stanley's like, I'll be there. So chapter 39, it's going down. Pip's hiding outside the farmhouse and Ravi calls her and is like, Stanley's getting his car. He's coming your way. And then Ravi and Connor are like looking for a spare key to the house, but there isn't one. So they end up breaking a win- window in the back and opening the back door. And then, like, as this is happening, Pip sees Stanley enter the farmhouse, and Pip tells Ravi, if you find anything of Jamie's, like, his clothes, his phone, anything like that, don't touch it, because it might be evidence, but, like, also don't tell Connor that, because we don't want to make him cry. So, then, like, Pip overhears through the phone. Connor's, like, panicking, because he hears someone's voice in the house, and Connor starts yelling, it's Jamie, it's Jamie, and Ravi confirms, like, Jamie is in the house, he's okay, he's alive. What? This ain't a murder mystery, it's just a mystery. So, Jamie's locked in a room in the downstairs bathroom. There's a padlock chain on the outside, but he sounds okay. So, Jamie is telling Robbie and Connor to leave. He's like, get out of here. I made a deal. Like, just go. We get into that later. So, Connor obviously is not going to leave his brother there. Hello. And no one calls the police at this point. No one. Not one person. Like, what in the heck? So, then... Pip then realizes that Stanley is like leaving the farmhouse simultaneously, and it's too late for her to text it, like to be like, hey, I'm Layla, I'm running late, or whatever. But she also knows that like Ravi and Connor need time to get Jamie out. So she hangs up with Ravi, which is really stupid. Like, just leave your phone in your pocket running so he can hear what's going on. Dumb. Call the police. Call an adult. Like, someone call an adult. So, anyways, Pip walks up to Stanley and he's like, Pip, you're Layla? Chapter 40. So Pip's like, no, not Layla, obviously. But she says she knows who Stanley really is. Obviously, the child Brunswick situation. So they go inside the farmhouse to talk. And Stanley tells her that he can pay her to keep his secret. Whatever. He has a second job. It's a whole thing. So then Pip says she just wants to save Jamie and doesn't want to blackmail him. Like, she doesn't care about that. And then she's like, Stanley, did you hurt Jamie? And Stanley, like, gets real mad. And he's like, of course I didn't hurt him. He was trying to kill me like, well, that would be like kind of more reason to hurt him though, right? (laughs) But anyways, Pip's like, uh, what happened? So here's all the tea. Layla started messaging Stanley and they talked for a few weeks and he really liked her. And then she asked to meet, but Jamie showed up instead and said child Brunswick. Stanley was obviously in shock because he had been living In this town for eight years, and the only person that knew was Howie. He thought Howie was a friend and that he could trust him. Obviously not. He's also a drug dealer, so I don't know why you would think you could trust him. So, anyways, the next thing Stanley knows, Jamie lunges at him with a knife, and he manages to knock the knife out of Jamie's hands, and then he pushes Jamie down. I think they're like, out in the woods or whatever and Jamie hits his head and falls to the ground unconscious for a few seconds and I was like oh is this gonna be a repeat of Andy it's not anyways so Stanley says he didn't know what to do so he didn't want to have to move to a new town and start over he had friends here and he liked being Stanley Forbes. So he had already moved once before, which they also find in their like research over Child Brunswick or whatever. But he told the girl he loved who he was and she called the police on him. Well, at least someone knows how to call the police because Pip does not, nor does her crew. Anyways, Stanley led Jamie to his car and took his phone. And then obviously didn't want to be tracked, whatever. Then he drove back to his house and put Jamie in the downstairs bathroom because it's the only room that locks from the outside, which that's really strange that a bathroom locks from the outside because I don't know why you would want that. But anyways, he destroyed Jamie's phone and then he put a chain on the door so he could like open the door and pass Jamie things. But Jamie couldn't get out because he was worried that Jamie's still going to try to kill him. And tell everyone who he was. And Stanley couldn't call the police because he just like abducted this kid. So the next day, Stanley goes to work because his parole officer would be asking questions if he didn't. And then, <laughs> I don't know, whatever. That night, he's passing dinner to Jamie and they start talking. So Jamie says he didn't even know who Child Brunswick was. And that he had been talking to Layla, who said she had a controlling father and an unoper or an operable, excuse me, it was operable, tumor. That's the brain tumor searches he had been doing. So she told him there was a clinical trial that her dad wouldn't let her participate in and she would have no way of paying for it. I'm like, isn't this girl supposed to be like 30? What do you mean your dad won't let you participate? But anyways, Jamie gave her $1,200 cash, most of which she borrowed. We know he borrowed the 900 and he was told to leave the money at the graveyard. That's um, Hillary F. Wiseman's gravestone or whatever. Layla also made Jamie break into someone's house and steal a watch that belonged to her dead mother. Supposedly, this watch her dad gave to, like, Goodwill or whatever, and then someone bought it, being Flora. This is just, like, the story Layla's telling. So then she told Jamie to beat up someone on his birthday, which, like, we don't even know who that person is. Hopefully, it's not the guy that ended up dead. Jeez, Louise. We don't know, obviously. So Jamie fell for it all. And Jamie said he found out Layla... Layla had been catfishing him with someone else's photos. Obviously, we know all this. He called her after that and she said a stalker was threatening to kill her and she had narrowed it down to two people. So she like set up this plan because like she said, everything else is true. I just use different pictures to like try to protect myself. I have the stalker. Please help me murder them (laughs) like real smooth. So she told him that this person, the stalker would only react to child Brunswick. So weird. Jamie, come on. You're better than this. So anyways, Jamie was convinced that either he does this or he loses Layla forever. Kind of both happened. But anyways, he admits that he was relieved when Stanley knocked the knife out of his hands because he, like, did not want to murder someone. And then he said he spoke to Layla on the phone. So it's definitely a woman. But Stanley couldn't quite trust Jamie and thought maybe that Jamie was still being Layla. And like, I don't know, whatever. Stanley doesn't trust people clearly. So Jamie and Stanley made a deal. And if they found the real Layla, Stanley would offer her money to keep his secret and Jamie would keep the secret in exchange for not telling the police that he attacked Stanley. So the next day, Pip came to Stanley to print in the newspaper, the missing person flyer. So he knew like, oh my gosh, I got to speed this up. He was at the graveyard to check the gravestones the same way Pip was. And then he he even listened to Pip's podcast and he knew that Layla had messaged Pip So he knew it couldn't have been Jamie. But like also Jamie's still locked in this bathroom. So like if you knew it wasn't him, why shouldn't the deal be executed? So anyways, Pip says she hasn't worked out who Layla is either. So then Stanley goes on to say that a lot of people want him dead and he just wants to live a quiet life. Maybe do something good with it. Like he knows he hasn't been good. Like the way he treated Sal and his family, like how he said Sal's a murderer and all this like racist mean stuff but he thought sal was a murderer and he saw like his own father what his own father had done in sal so like it made him furious apparently so stanley says the worst thing i could be is anything like my dad but people think i'm exactly like him and i've always been terrified that they're right which is super bummer anyways (laughs) so saying Nick's, nick's feelings like he was 10 years old so anyways, Pip tells him that there are, like these, uh, these people saying this are not right and the father made him do horrible things and he was just a child, et cetera, et cetera. So Stanley says that he didn't have to help his dad. He probably would have been killed, but at least those kids would have been alive and they would have had good lives, like much better than Stanley has contributed to society or whatever. So Pip tells Stanley that they can work this out and work together and whatever so he doesn't have to leave the town. So then she's like, Robbie and Connor are helping get Jamie out right now. So no worries. And he's like, oh, they had to break a window, didn't they? And she's like, yeah, why is that a problem? It's just destruction of property. And he's like, oh, I have silent alarms and the police will be there in 15 minutes. So this is all over. Nice try, but I give up. So they're like trying to talk through this and they hear someone walking through the farmhouse. It's Charlie Green, Pip's neighbor. And he's like, oh, hey, I saw your car parked in the street and there was a light on inside. And I want to come in and check on you because I know you've been going through a tough time, you know. You like run around in the rain and everything. And Pip's like, oh, we're fine. We're just talking. It's just me and this like 30 old man alone in an abandoned farmhouse. Don't you worry about it. So then Charlie's like, okay, cool. Um, can I borrow your phone? Mine died and I got to tell floor or something. So Pip's like, sure, here's my phone. And then he like takes the phone and he puts it in his pocket. Do we all know where this is going? Maybe? Anyways, then he demands Stanley's phone as well. And Stanley's confused. And Charlie pulls out a gun and points it at Stanley. And he's like, slide your phone to me now. Chapter 41. So Stanley slides his phone over to Charlie and Charlie steps on and breaks it. So (laughs) Pip works out that Charlie was Layla, but there was a woman's voice. Well, guess what? His wife did the voice when he needed her to there's a lot happening so like here we go he also says his surname their surname or whatever is flora's last name not his charlie is actually charlie noel which if you read the book you'd see the list of the victims whatever emily noel was the last victim of stanley's dad and charlie tells us that this was his twin sister devastating so anyways charlie says that they were eight years old i hate this part i literally hate this like i'm so sorry that i even have to talk about it but this is like horrifying to me so charlie says they were eight years old on the playground their mom was on the other side of the playground talking with the other parents when stanley came up to them and asked to play hide and seek and they're like oh an older kid this is super cool because stanley's 10 he's like charlie you count we'll go hide so charlie counts to 60 no peeking no cheating and when he goes to look for them he can't find them and the, yeah, horror just horrifying. So they found Emily three weeks later mutilated and burned and then Stanley starts apologizing and he's like, I always think of your sister the most or whatever, but Charlie stops him and he's like, you're the one that chose her and you helped abduct those six kids. Like your dad wasn't like that girl specific. Like you went to the playground and you picked her out. Like, oh, this is like a mixed feelings. I have so many emotions. So anyways, three months after they found Emily's body, Charlie's dad hung himself and Charlie was the one to find him. So that's fun. And then the mom turned to drugs and alcohol because apparently she doesn't have any responsibilities to her only other child. And Charlie ended up in the foster care system. I'm like, okay, Allie's an only child. So if something happened to her, like, bye, you'll never hear another podcast from me again because I'll be weeping for the rest of my life. But still, like, she has another kid. So anyways, he knew that one day he would find child Brunswick and kill him. So he waited 19 years to do this and nine years ago he bought a gun because he knew he wanted to do it with a gun. I don't know why, but that's where we're at. So he followed every lead on the Internet and ended up living in 10 different towns the last seven years looking for a child Brunswick. Pip's trying to stall because she's hoping Ravi will send the police to the abandoned warehouse when they show up to Stanley's house after like the 15 minutes or whatever. By the way, why is it taking the police so long to get to his house? It's a small town, supposedly. But anyways. So she prompts Charlie to keep explaining what Jamie has to do with this whole situation. So Charlie explains that Jamie had fallen hard for Layla in a way that none of the others had. (sighs) Taking advantage. He saw the opportunity to have someone else murder Stanley so he wouldn't have to serve time in jail. Because Flora, like, really wanted a life together after this whole thing. And so this was, like, his chance. So anyways, Charlie started testing Jamie to see what he could get him to do. So he got Jamie to get the $1,200. He got Jamie to fight someone on his birthday, which we don't even know who this like random someone is. He got Jamie to break into his own house, like Charlie's house, to steal that watch. I thought it was really weird that her watch was just like conveniently sitting by the window. But anyways, he didn't think that Jamie was at the point where he would murder for him, but Jamie had started to figure out that Layla was fake. So Charlie was forced to just like, go for it before Jamie figured it all out so they went forward with the plan to confront both Luke and Stanley and then Charlie knew it went wrong when he found out that Jamie went missing obviously and he assumes that Stanley killed him but Stanley's like no he's alive I'm not a monster like you think I am he's kind Mm -hmm. of a monster I don't know how I feel I may never know so anyways after this Charlie knew he couldn't continue figuring out who was like the actual Charles Brunswick I don't know why You narrowed it down to two. I don't know why you'd have to stop after that. But anyways, he knew that Pip would figure it out for him. He even pushed her to keep going when she wanted to give up that night at his house when it was raining, which is just like horrendous. And he says that, he says to her, he's like, you found him for me. Thank you, Pip. Could you imagine? That's horrific. So anyways, Pip tries to step in front of Stanley and begs Charlie not to shoot him. And Stanley's like, get away from me. I deserve this, basically. Well, and then Charlie's like, This is exactly what we talked about. The justice system gets it wrong. And people like you and me need to step up and make things right. Like, we're buddies here, Pip. And he says that, Pip, you and I are the same. We're the same. And Pip says, this isn't right. He was just a child. Like, it's not his fault. And Charlie disagrees with this, obviously. And then Stanley pushes Pip, like, away and is like, it's okay. I'm ready to die, basically. So then Charlie says, I'm not sorry. And then fires the gun until it's empty. Like, it's making the clicking noises. So, like, I don't know how many bullets that is, but that's, like, a lot. And then, like, clearly there's blood everywhere. And, like, Stanley's been shot, like, six times or whatever. And Charlie just, like, nods at Pip. He's like, you and me, we're the same. This was totally acceptable action to take. Because remember when you messed up, um, what's-his-name's house? Whatever. So, anyways, Charlie nods, runs out the door. Pip's trying to stop the bleeding. So, Stanley has a gunshot wound in his neck, shoulder, chest two in the stomach and one in his thigh she's like ripping up her jacket and like trying to tie parts around where the bleeding is like in his leg or whatever and stanley's like it's okay this was always going to happen i deserve it and then he's like jack brunswick that was my real name and then pip like keeps tries to keep him talking keep him conscious like what was your favorite name and he's like stanley was my favorite it was silly but it was like it wasn't much but stanley was trying you know and then he says, I'm still his son, whatever my name. Still the boy that did those rotten things. Ugh, ugh. So as Pip's trying to tell him that he's better like than that, they smell smoke. The building is on fire. So just like something horrifying about the building being on fire is that's like the sister, the twin sister was blunt force trauma or whatever, but then their bodies were all burned. So like that's what Charlie's doing, which is just just terrific. So anyways, Pip's trying to drag Stanley by the legs out the building while he's bleeding out. It's really dramatic. Read it for yourself. It's a whole situation. I don't know how this tiny teenager did it, but she does. She gets Stanley outside and she realizes when she like turns back that Stanley's not moving and his eyes are closed. He has no pulse and she starts compressing his chest and she ends up breaking two of his ribs like accidentally doing compressions. And she's counting to 30 and then breathing twice until she hears cars and doors. But she's, like, still doing the compressions. Also, like, when she counts to 30, I know they counted to 60, but it really made me think of the hide-and-seek. Ooh, I can't stand it. So, anyways, Pip won't stop until the paramedics come. And Pip's trying to explain to Daniel De Silva and his partner that Charlie Green shot Stanley. Obviously, Ravi finally gets her, but Daniel's like, get back because this is an active crime scene or whatever. And then Pip sees the paramedics like later they take over compressions or whatever pip sees the paramedics call it as in like saying stanley's dead because it's been 20 minutes since stanley like hasn't responded so pip basically becomes undone by this whole situation they take pip back to the police station they take her clothes they do gunshot residue tests on her hands to rule her out she's clearly in shock it's written in this way that's like just really really good like she's like I don't know how to explain it like she's like trailing off in her thoughts and it's like kind of jumping around like you can tell that she's in shock like the way it's written like seriously like I've said it 50 times like read these books so anyways the police tell her that Charlie and his wife were gone and their belongings look packed in a hurry and P.S. that eight-year-old from the first episode that was abducted from the yard was abducted by her father in a domestic dispute and it's all good now so don't worry about it. So then Pip is released, and she's hugging Robbie, and she says that the gun sound is waiting for her. Like, she hears it going off, and it just, like, won't go away. Sunday, 16 days later, chapter 42. So it's Stanley's funeral, which Pip arranged because he has no friends and family. And basically, like, the only people there are Pip and her friends and stuff, including Jamie, who's absolutely bawling. She picked a burial, Pip did, because she didn't think he wanted to be cremated, uh, horrifying, and burned like his father had done to those six kids. Like, accurate, but like, oh my gosh, I hate it. She also chose the name Stanley Forbes for his gravestone. Um, that was his favorite name. And the inscription at the bottom of the gravestone says, you were better. So, and he's going to be buried in that same graveyard that Hillary F. Wiseman's in. Pip's saying a final prayer, and she hears people shouting, murderer. And they have, like, these painted signs that says, like, you're mourning a child killer. And this group includes Mary Scythe, who worked at the Fairview Mail. So, like, Stanley's, like, friend and aunt's dad, because the rotten apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And, like, there's signs that say... Killer Spawn, Monster Fairview, or maybe Monster of Fairview. I don't know. Charlie Green equals Hero, Child Brunswick, Rotten Hell, and Not in Our Town. Ugh. This town's not very tolerant, if you ask me. But anyways, Pip grabs Mary's sign and breaks it in half over her knee, and she, like, throws it at Mary, and she's, like, yelling to leave Britney alone, whatever. I don't know. you guys even get that reference? Anyways, leave Stanley alone, and you are his friend, and whatever. And then Pip starts going after Aunt's dad, like, going towards him. And the group starts, like, backing away. And Pip's dad, like, grabs her to keep her from doing anything stupid. Saturday, six days later, chapter 43. So they're all at the Reynolds house. This is Jamie's house. And this includes Pip and her family, Ravi and his family, Nat, De Silva, Kara, Connor, and Zach pip sees her brother playing who's 10 years old and it just like hits her like my brother's the same age that child brunswick was when he committed all these crimes like this is horrifying so then jamie comes over to talk to pip and they both can't stop thinking about stanley obviously they're traumatized and they agree that they're gonna try to live a good life because he didn't get the chance to and that's all he ever wanted so jamie's like stanley's not who people thought he was like stanley tried to fit an entire mattress through the gap in the door even though stanley was afraid of him like he still was trying to do the right thing and it doesn't feel fair that jamie's here and stanley's not like jamie's saying all this and then like since stanley's dead there wasn't enough to charge jamie with attempted murder because like that person's dead and Jamie didn't cause the death or whatever. They got bigger fish to fry basically. And Jamie says that he didn't think he could go through with the murder anyways. And he leaves his broken Fitbit on to remind him of the whole situation, I guess. So he never forgets. So then Jamie also says that if Charlie would have figured out that it was Stanley, he might have killed Jamie too, considering he set fire to the building while Pip was in it. And Pip doesn't think so. She thinks Charlie was just trying to kill Stanley And wanted Pip to, like, leave him in the building. To kind of be like, hey, you're like me. You just, like, left him there. Great work. So then Pip also says that Jamie... Or says to Jamie, your dad loves you. When he thought you were dead, he was, like, really broken up about it. Obviously. Hello. And then Jamie also says that now that it's all over the podcast, he probably should just tell Nat in person how it feels. It's kind of like in Harry Potter when... Uh, Neville's like has to go tell Luna he's in love with her. Anyways, he does say though if Nat doesn't feel the same, he'll just like move on. He's like turn over a new leaf. So Jamie okay, they do talk about this. He walks over, he like smiles at her, she smiles back at him, but we don't quite know what all that means. Whatever, read the book. So Jamie leaves and Robbie comes over to Pip and she tells us that she doesn't deserve Robbie. I don't know. I'll be the judge of that. I guess there. It is kind of. I don't know their relationships a lot, but anyways, they love each other, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And they're like kind of setting off to the side, watching everybody. And Josh is trying to teach everyone how to floss, which, by the way, I know how to do because my daughter made me learn. But it's really funny because like Jamie's dad's like grilling, and he thinks people can't see him, and he's like trying to do the floss behind the grill or whatever. Anyways and pip says it's okay that there's like a gap between her and everyone else and she'll rejoin them when she's ready and she's not talking about the party obviously she's talking about emotionally when she's ready whatever so then it cuts to like the evening after this party and pip's like i'm in my room studying mom and then she's like because i lie now i'm not studying obviously (laughs) so she google searches for recent sightings of charlie and flora they were seen nine days ago withdrawing money from the ATM. That's like confirmed by the police. And then there's other people claiming to have seen them in Wichita, Kansas, which is like kind of where I used to live. And then she does this for hours and hours. She's like taking notes of everything she can figure out. And it bothers her that Charlie said that they were the same, like clearly, but she can't really say they're not, you know, like she can't prove that they're any different. So this book ends with her talking about every sound, Like, a pencil dropping, thunderstorms, a door shutting. She hears the gun going off. It lives inside her. That's called PTSD. Lingering questions. Where the heck are Flora and Charlie? And then I, like, just kind of say, like, side note, I think they're going to come back in the next book. That'd be, like, kind of a bummer if they didn't. I also feel like something's going down with Max in the next book because he's obviously out and Pip's super mad about it. And I don't even know what the next book could be about. So, like, let's just read the inside cover, which I did not prepare for. It's down here. Hold on a second. Oh, and... I'm going to read it in typical dramatic fashion because hello. You'll never think of good girls the same way again, dot, dot, dot. Pip is about to head to college, but she is still haunted by the way her last investigation ended. She's used to online death threats in the wake of her viral true crime podcast, but she can't help noticing an anonymous person who keeps asking her, who will look for you when you're the one who disappears? Soon the threats escalate and Pip realizes that someone is following her in real life. When she starts to find connections between her stalker and a local serial killer caught six years ago, she wonders if maybe the wrong man is behind bars. Police refuse to act, so Pip has only one choice. Find the suspect herself or be the next victim. As the deadly game plays out, Pip discovers that everything in her small town is coming full circle, and if she doesn't find the answers, this time she'll be the one who disappears. How small is this town? They had a serial killer six years ago? Like, why are people living here? anyways in closing thanks for listening you can find me on instagram facebook tiktok and youtube at the jolly reader podcast subscribe so you get notifications for when new episodes are posted if you're on apple Podcasts, leave a review also like comments on youtube and stuff like i'd be happy to see that um share with everyone you know please and thank you and if you like secondhand embarrassment stay tuned for the outtakes and i will talk to you next time for part one of As Good As Dead by Holly Jackson, and we can finish up this series. So, until we sail again, this has been the Jolly Reader, Bone Voyage. Hey! You made it to the outtakes. Let's do it. Nice. Testing. Is this working? I sure hope so, because we're about to get into the final episode. Okay, let's check. Totally forgot to take my headphone out. Um, I was testing earlier. Pages 20, or not 20, obviously. Now it says, oh, now, not now. It it, like, the killer does say he was like following her around. Not the killer. The, I don't know what I want to say. Whatever. So, this is not the right page. That's later. What the heck is wrong with me? 321, not 331. Okay, so... Um... So then... Hold on a second. I'm a hot mess right now. She sums it up really well on page 331 and 332, apparently. So let's check it out. That's the wrong book. Hold on. I don't know why I said this summary. It's, is it really well? Like, whatever. Skip that part, because I don't know what part you wanted me to read. I want myself to read. <laughs> I'm sorry. So Prip's lingering questions oh man some items for my walmart grocery pickup are not available so anyways i am Allie. and you are with me to my mom